Good afternoon, everybody. This is Nathan with the Birds and the Leaves, and I am here with my wife, Kim. Kim, how are you today? I'm good today. It is a nice day out. I'm looking out the window. It's nice and sunny, and which is good because the last couple of days have been kind of cloudy. It is cold, though. So. And rainy and snowy and it, sleety. and. Well, we have, yeah, for Texas. What yeah. is that, like 30 minutes of that? Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, we are continuing in our series of our story, and to give you a little background on what that means, We decided that uh, if we were going to continue in this endeavor of creating this podcast that uh, speaks to our experience in ministry, we decided it might be best for each of you to get to know us. Now, if you've been listening and you've been following along, you know that we have done part one for Kim and I both. And uh, right now we're going to kick into part two of Kim, and then soon after we will be releasing uh, part two of my story. And, And we figured these are about two to three parters, four parters, maybe. And then we'll get into some of the things that, uh, because of our story, filter into our ministry life. What do you think? Yeah, absolutely. All right, cool. So right now we're going to hand it over to Kim and uh, just let her go with part two. If you guys remember the part one, we kind of were in her college years, getting ready to go into grad school, I believe. We're getting ready to head off to college. We never got to college. So she's getting ready to head off to college. And uh, she's going to pick up there. Yep. Kim, go ahead and just kind of start with your college years. Sure. You know, you've moved on from high school. Uh, you've lived with your dad. And now it's time for you to kind of go out on your own. Right. So I actually stayed with my dad for another two years. Um, I went to Richland Community College, which is in Dallas, and focused on just getting my associate's degree. Um, I had a pretty great time there. Went to a church that was very active on the campus. Um, They decided to change focus halfway through and I disagreed with them. So as kind of my last semester or two that I was at Richland, I also did not really attend much. Um, They chose to go from there to a major university in the area for a bigger crowd. And uh, I kind of disagreed with that whole choice and process and how that all went down. So um, I didn't go much longer to that church after that decision. Was this more of like a vision kind of thing or you just didn't like how they were doing it? Uh, this was more of a why they were moving. They were moving because they wanted bigger numbers. Oh, I got you. But it was not based on um, shepherding or ministering to anyone. It was just a numbers game. Okay, so there wasn't really about a discipleship thing or right? you no. just wanted to increase, which, you know, to be yeah. honest with you, Increase in numbers isn't bad, but you right. know, upheaval and moving an entire uh, ministry just because, right. you know. And there okay. was an active ministry there of 60 plus college students. So it was hard to see those students. They they were just leaving them completely behind with no oh, support okay. system. So they were kind of, okay, you're on your own. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so I moved to UNT, which is 30 minutes outside of Dallas, more or less. Uh, and and that's in Denton. In Denton, uh-huh, North Dallas type area. Uh, went to UNT for an undergraduate in education, uh, child development, if that matters for if anyone. If you don't know what UNT is, that's the University of North Texas. Right. Yes. And focused on uh, child development and working through that program, which fit my skill sets pretty well as far as um, wanting to love on kids and engaging them in different ways while there. Going through some classes, they encouraged us to get a minor, and my minor ended up being a minor in counseling. Oh, okay. So I really enjoyed that. I focused on, even as a minor, doing animal-assisted therapy, uh, which is bringing animals, be it a horse or dog, into the counseling setting and learning how to professionally work with them inside of that. So there's some 
insurance that issues that go along with it. You have to make sure you have lots of insurance and you have to make sure that you understand how it correlates with the process you're putting clients mm-hmm. through. This is not just bringing an animal that you have in your home into the setting of a counseling session. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. So, so there was some learning curve on that just cause I didn't expect to get into that and really enjoy it. So I did spend a lot of my time, my senior year, if you want to call it that, cause college is a little goofy sometimes. Um, working on that and perfecting that for my counseling okay. purposes. Well, and, and when you talk about animal-assisted therapy, often people hear or think of equine therapy and, and things like Absolutely. that. Absolutely, yes. there a, Did you have a broader experience in that, or was there just kind of a specialty you focused in, like a specific um, animal? Or? Yeah, so I, um, I focused on dogs was oh, okay. my primary yeah. focus. I did have a um, season that I went to the equine therapy and mm-hmm. learned how to do that because that, to be truthful, is one of the most... Um, popular yeah. forms. Yeah. So, and there is some great training that goes along with that. Okay. I am very uncomfortable with horses. Yeah. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> so, I don't like horses. so I did not last very long doing equine therapy. I understand okay. how to apply it and yeah. how to work with kids through that. It is not what I am best at. <laughs> it wouldn't be mine either. Yeah. Um, now, so there's specialized training that goes along with just even working with dogs. So within... Within the counseling setting, there's specialized training that really needs to yeah. happen. And when you're doing your internship, you really should be taking an animal, whatever animal you yeah. choose to do that with, into the counseling setting and getting supervised help from someone who's a professional okay. to learn how to do that. And they're, they're audio taped, videotaped, whatever's given permission mm-hmm. to do. And you work through um, how to integrate. Okay. That now, is this the same kind of training? Like for the animal, is this the same kind of training as, say, like a uh, guide dog? Or is it generally um, more? So it's going to be a step in between. If you were to have a uh, dog that you used for emotional support. Okay. And they had professional training. It would be in between that. And by professional, I mean someone comes in and teaches your dog for like a year how to help you with yeah, emotional yeah. support. Not your own type of training. So in between that and a dog who works professionally, like in the field of police or um, that works in the field of seeing eye guide dogs, those are all whisked away for a year and you never, you know, you, you don't ever have anything to do with them. They essentially pick you. Mm -hmm. There's this whole process. If you have a dog that is a true professional dog that works in the counseling field, they have... specialized training that often you have been trained to do. Yeah. So there's training on the owner's part. And then there's training for the dog that is a little specialized and they have to go to courses. They have to have insurance. There's this whole liability insurance. There's this whole process. Okay. So there's, yeah, well, it's definitely, it's not just throwing a dog into a room. No, it should not be. And if you catch yourself in that situation, it is not professional. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So you're there, you're doing animal assisted therapy at yep. least in your senior year and you've decided you want to you know, go into professional counseling what would mm-hmm. be the next step I mean, what was the next step so for me I didn't have an animal yet so then I specifically targeted what type of animal I wanted okay it was a yellow lab and I searched for a yellow lab for a, probably six months yeah. to find the one that really fit that need mm-hmm. in society and you found a good one because yeah. she ultimately became our dog after we got married and yeah yeah i guess my one warning for anybody wanting to go into that is the dog's um ability to serve in that manner and work in that manner oftentimes is 
less than what your ability to serve mm, will be. Okay. So either their work week is shorter, like my um, my Carly only worked two to three days a week, yeah. or, and or they only last two to five years. Okay, depending. Yeah, she didn't. She did not work her entire. No, she really life. only worked two years, and I started seeing a decrease in her um, attachment to okay. you and I, and yeah. so I pulled her out of the counseling sessions because it was too much on her. Yeah, yeah, it's a lot. And once we pulled her out, she was fine. But it's being that's part of the training is being in tune with your animal. Mm-hmm. So in this time, because I we've been married 15 years, in this time where you are you've moved on and you're actually pursuing a master's degree, right? Right, you're going to go off and do that. Mm-hmm. You, you also come across some upheaval, yes, and quite a bit. And yes. uh, you know, this is the story that uh, when you tell it, uh, you often get voted as the greatest story, <laughs> uh, the greatest personal story of all time. Yes. Um, of course, not a fun one, but no, uh, it's, it was very it's hard. one that, you know, when you meet someone, you this is the last thing you expect them to tell you. And I can remember when you told yeah. me thinking, whoa. Uh, yeah. Well, to yeah. be fair, when I told you, it was still a very active situation. Yes, it was still a very active situation, but it's not yeah. what you expect your new girlfriend to, you know, <laughs> hey, let's share our past or share, you know, where we're coming from. And all of a sudden, this is the one you get. So. Right. So not, right. not to freak everybody out. It's it's a really good story. And it's an impressive story just from the fact of how, you you know, God watched over you and cared mm-hmm. for you and all of that. And and so why don't you uh, just kind of let us know what yeah. that is. So I'll go over the, I'll, I'll give you the Cliff Notes version and maybe sometime we can do a yeah, show. I think on... there's more in there, but it might be a different topic. Yeah, yeah. I think it's a great story about God providing and God protecting in mm-hmm. a time Um when it could have been bad. So, uh, before I met Nathan about two years, I met a gentleman while I was working out at a gym near my home Mm -hmm. and we had lots of fun together. We enjoyed each other. We dated for six months, nine months or so. Okay. So it was, it was a pretty good, you know, lengthy dating relationship, at least for your age. Yeah. It was a very long time. And after, uh, six to nine months, I really don't remember the timeline. I got a call on my phone one day telling me that this gentleman had been arrested Mm -hmm. for fraudulent behavior. Okay. And the story gets yeah, really you think fraudulent, you think fraudulent behavior. You think like mm-hmm. he's cashing or he's writing bad checks or something like that. Right. It turns out that he had had two previous wives. Mm-hmm. He had two children. I was unaware of. He was living under an assumed name. An assumed yes. He had Me, a, if for those of you who don't, I know ma- many of you have not had to be through the how to had. I'm sorry. Not many of you have had to go through this, mm-hmm. but. Uh, an assumed name means they're using someone else's name that's not theirs. Yeah, they're not making. They're not just making up a name. They, right. They've actually acquired everything that they have to have to create a new identity. Right. It was his dead brother's name. His brother had died young, mm-hmm. uh, like eight or nine, in a tragic accident. Um, he had he had taken his kids and essentially held them hostage. Yeah. Uh robbed a bank there was lots of different scenarios yeah i remember us talking for the first time and it was just like as soon as you would say one part of the story you'd add another thing he'd done and it just kind of kept snowballing yeah it was very layered so long story short because of his felonies that were he was being acquitted for yeah uh he was not considered a a concern necessarily not like a threat to you he was not a threat as well 
He was not a threat to society technically, and there was a chance he would be let out because his current courtroom issues Mm -hmm. were not having to deal with a gun or anything like that. There's no weapon involved. It's more like almost a white collar crime, Mm -hmm. except there was a robbery involved. Yeah. Well, the robbery was before he had already been prosecuted. Oh, okay. So this was just for current issues. He was trying to fraud people out of millions of dollars in Dallas. Yeah, he was taking, because he wasn't, wasn't he working in a law firm or? or That's what he said he was doing. He said he was. No, he was not. (laughs) So um, long story short, I ended up having to get not a restraining order against Uh him. But um, I went into hiding for about two weeks. Yes. Give her. Well, it was long enough. It was long enough to make sure he was going to be in jail. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wrote a letter to him. Well, my dad made sure he knew that he was not going to contact me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and um, went to the jail and put a block on my number. And then from there, uh, he went away. He went away. Yeah. Yeah. We know where it he ended up too, because <laughs> we kept track of that. Yeah, we still do. Yeah, I mean, and that's a very, very short version of that story. And yeah. uh, if you listen to the previous episode, you can you can already kind of see uh, how something like this would have an impact on you because you know we've already talked about there was divorce early on in your family, yep. there was upheaval in that, and so uh, you've often said that uh, that that trust and security are something that you struggle with because, yep. or, or maybe the better way to say it is that, you know, worrying that the world is going to come crashing down right at any second, because I mean, you were blindsided by this. I mean, yeah. there was nothing to necessarily, uh, though you have said, and we can get into this another time, you have said yeah. your mom had some suspicions about him. Yes. Um, so my mom is the reason that he really got caught um, but it is a great story. Yeah, it's like a four or five part story. If you really, <laughs> it really is. It's, pull it's, it apart, people have told me I need to make a book, and that may happen one day. But it's right almost now. a lifetime movie. Uh-huh. Yeah, we just have to come up with a cool title. Um, but yeah, I could see where you know this is something that's impacted you all through our marriage and all through uh, different uh, career choices. Is that uh, there's always uh, it feels like sometimes there's there's this waiting for the axe to drop. Right. Yes. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And so how do you kind of, how have you, how have you seen that generally impact you? Um, because those are two, th- this isn't like a, a tiny little breakup. These are two significant right. uh, events yeah. or a significant event. It was, it was significant enough that I, I moved just to confirm yeah. that if he got out for any reason because of his crimes being non-threatening to, phys- to people physically, um, I went ahead and moved. Uh, you know, I think the effect on me, if that's your question. Yeah, more of a, I mean, when you think about that, okay, not just that <laughs> you were, you know, federal marshals are calling you and stuff. Right. You literally moved. Yeah. You, you had a place you were at and you yeah. picked up and, and you're starting this journey down a career. But yeah. now you've got to move, not because right. of a decision, but because mm-hmm. of necessity. Right. Out of fear. Out of, well, your safety. Um, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And th- I mean, there was a lot of fear involved. I think what it really taught me at the end of the day is as a person, I was too trusting. Oh, wow. Okay. I had, um, although it did create situations where for you and I, I get to a place and I really worry what's going to happen next. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I had trusted too many people too easily mm-hmm. and needed to learn not to trust. Hmm. That's a, well, and that is a, 
that's an interesting way to put it because uh, most of us would not say, I, you know, I have to learn not to trust people. Right. Um, but at the same time, you can see the, it feels like an extreme response, but at the same time, you can understand why it would be an extreme response. Right. Um, in, in, you know, it's such a radical and drastic uh, event. Yeah. Um, which you, you had multiple on top of each other. You know, you, you, right. right. Was it right before or right after that you were deported from South Korea? <laughs> Uh, that was right before. It was right before. Well, I it, I was deported, and then I dated. Oh, okay. You you were deported. Yeah. I mean, so you've experienced. Yeah. Uh, I I know we jokingly say that. Uh, That's a good story. We'll t- we'll tell we'll that tell one that, later as we'll well. We'll tell that one later on, as well. On missions and how churches should run missions. Well, and also <laughs> why you don't go on international mission trips. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> because you haven't really had the most positive experiences ever. And and getting kicked out of uh, yeah. the good Korea is right. Yeah, you know, is is one of those. But uh, y- you know, at the time. How did that impact the relationship? This particular event impact the relationship between your you and your parents. You know, obviously you grew up with your dad, so he's super protective right. of you. Yeah. But your mom is the one who held the suspicions of this guy. Right. So um, for my dad, it was interesting to see him kind of revert back to protecting me as he would when yeah. I was, you yeah. know, four or five, like parents would do, you know, kind of grabbing them when they run into the street, all that kind of stuff. How he, old were you when this happened? Uh, 21, 22. 21, 22. Yeah. So you're, I mean, we met, uh, we got married when you were 25. So, uh, and it was, oh, two, maybe then I was 23, three, 23, but yeah. still 23, 22, 21. There's yeah. not a whole lot of difference in that. Right. Right. And I was living on my own. So, you know, there were some concerns there for general safety. But um, my dad really um, stepped up and Hmm. even emotionally stepped up in a way I had never seen him and was kind of the voice of reason when I women in general tend to um, like our automatic default is sometimes to go, well, I'm stupid. That was all my fault. I can't believe I did Except, that. Yeah. Accepting blame for something that really isn't at all. Right. And so he, he stepped up and he, he really was the sound of reason and logic mm-hmm. that made sense. Okay. And it, sometimes it made sense and it hurt and sometimes it yeah. made sense and it made me feel better, but he did not let me wallow in, it was all my fault. I could have done better. Yeah, yeah. We were moving past that. Well, and you never want to, while you're processing something like that, it, it, you need to be able to have someone who comes through and, and level-headedly talks to you, which is why right. you want those relationships with friends and right. family. You want you want that confidant that you can speak to. Yeah. Uh, because truly, I mean, nobody knows what you would do. I mean, I don't think there's anybody, if you're listening, thank you, <laughs> <laughs> uh, who would all of a sudden go, yeah, I, you know, it's not in a handbook of, hey, well, you find out your, your, your boyfriend you're really serious with is right. a con man um, who's th- on the run from the law. Yeah, I mean, it stands, it's a great topic pastorally because it does, it, it was nothing I ever asked for. And I truly, everybody that was involved never yeah. said I did anything wrong mm-hmm. or that I was too vulnerable as far as anything that was abnormal. I mean, it you was, were just being a girl, I was a dating typical a typical person, yeah. yeah. And at the end of the day, whether you're in missions or in pastoral care or whatever you want to, whatever your job is in ministry, these things can happen Mm -hmm. and they're terrible. They're awful. So you have to be able to, and and it's it's interesting that even when you're in ministry and these things happen to you, you have to be able to balance caring for other people, which we're going to talk about down the road, is experiencing our own trauma as a a couple and being expected to do 
the job of ministry, which we love, but at the same time, you feel kind of isolated yeah. uh, because you're trying to, it feels almost like you're trying to handle them uh, yeah. and people don't necessarily understand why that's a, uh, why it's so heavy, I guess is the best right. way to put it. And so. I was in counseling. I always considered counseling a ministry. I, I looked at that as a way mm-hmm. um, for God to work through me, Yeah, the whole nine yards. And so it it was a learning curve of how to do ministry yeah. and have major complications in your personal life, but yeah. still love other people. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. so that being said, I mean, my mom also, you know, we talked a little about my dad. My mom also um, stepped up and she was kind of the person who helped me make sure that I was, you know, not sleeping too much, that my yeah, depressive yeah. modes weren't coming on, mm-hmm. that I was getting out and doing something fun and not just sitting at home that I, that I had healthy food and I was, you know, just all those things. The things you need. Yeah. She's, she's doing the mom thing. Um, Right. Right. The the basic needs, uh, making sure you're healthy and well, and your dad is, he's, he's combating, you know, potentially what becomes the shame and blame and all that. Right. Right. And uh, it was, can creep in. It really did help my mom and I grow closer. Mm -hmm. Um, we had several funny stories that came out of that, that we laugh about to this day. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, And you've told me them and they are, they are pretty funny. Um, but I think at the same time, you've told me that as well, that, you know, through this traumatic experience, you see that, uh, relationships uh, people can step into roles that uh, maybe are unique to you or new for you and right. you know there can be some healing there and to be honest with you when I came on the scene the bar was so low for th- <laughs> from this guy that uh, it felt I felt like I me. don't I don't feel that way <laughs> I don't either I actually really, feel I actually feel like I had a lot of discretion yeah moving yeah. forward and um Nathan knows this I I really didn't date for like seven months after that um there was a guy in between you and him that was very kind and very sweet and we are still friends today Mm -hmm. but um he was just not not the guy he was not the guy for the future but i still highly respect him and adore the time we you know had we just enjoyed each other as friends and as dating but it really wasn't a serious it wasn't serious Uh you know and uh and I could see that, even though uh, ultimately I end up being the more cautious of anybody <laughs> in our relationship. To the we'll get to that to the point where you have to ask me out, right? Um, but uh, you have to no. I'm sorry. You have to make me ask you out. You didn't ask me out. You made me ask you right because I don't ask out guys. You don't ask out guys, yeah. so you have to tell them when to do it. But but I think we both kind kind of come from that same. Uh, I, I won't say for me, I won't necessarily say trauma, but you know, there's some hurt yeah. in there and some relationships that didn't go as yeah. you had hoped. And so you're a little bit, uh, you're a little bit hurt and, and you're trying to protect yourself, which I get, um, you know, but yeah. ultimately what ends up happening is, you know, nobody's perfect walking into those. So you right. know, that's where you open the door for God to work in that relationship and be prepared for that. So, and I will say one thing going forward, I was thinking about this the other night. Um, for those of you who are listening, Nathan and I will never, um, talk negatively about someone that is not in the room. Yeah. (laughs) Probably, maybe we won't speak negatively about someone that is. Well, (laughs) you know, I don't know. We try not to. Um, I, I do feel like this scenario that we've been talking about is something that, um, I have proof of 
and most likely I will never see or hear from that person again. So it's yeah. not something I need to worry about. Well, and we're not sharing names or anything. So. Right, yeah. right. Um, and you know, there's that whole legal, the legal history. Yeah. So we're not gonna, we're not gonna <laughs> so, say. Anything. Yeah. So uh, it's your experience, you know. We don't have to get into but, the ugly details, or we don't have to do anything like that. But you know right. what? They're, we're not sharing names. We're not. Say right. anything. This is a person you probably don't know and would never meet. And right. Um, but even know. some of our life experiences, we may withhold some of that information. Yeah, absolutely. Just to protect the people that even if they're not our best friend or we would yeah. never hang out with them, they deserve that. Well, honor. the point is to speak to the facts. It's not yeah. to speak to judgment of people, but it's right. the, you know it's it's to say um, this is what happened. Right. And uh, just to kind of leave it at that. So yeah. So those are your college years. Yeah, after that, you and I, I, it was six months. There was, I mean, the big event that happened between when he went to jail and I met you was there was one guy that I very casually dated and like went to events with and, yeah, yeah. and had a really great time and adored who he was, but that um, went away. That's pretty much, you know, and then there's this next phase where yeah. you uh, we meet and then... Uh, and we'll talk about we'll that talk together. We'll talk about that in another, in another session. Yeah. We'll talk about that together. So. But the next one is all about Nathan. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, thank you guys for listening. If you uh, are liking what you hear or want to hear other things or just want to give some uh, thank yous, encouragement or whatever, maybe not thank yous, you know, it's not like we're just talking about ourselves, but maybe some encouragement or ideas you guys can reach us at the podcasting leads at gmail.com. Um, once again, we, we would love to hear from you. We'd love to hear ideas. We're sharing from our hearts. We're sharing what we're experienced and hopefully it, uh, it can help others. We are looking at, uh, down the road, starting a Patreon. If you just want to uh, contribute a little bit, if you feel like it, um, you know, it's not mandatory. We will continue to put these out so that you can hear them. We'll never be behind a paywall or anything like that. Um, but we just want to, uh, you know, get better at this. We want to improve what we're doing and uh, hopefully be able to help some people. So until next time, this is Nathan. And this is Kim. And we hope you have a great week.